0: Hey, Joe. Hello, Robert. How are you? You know, I'm, uh, I'm doing okay. It, it's just, it's kind of weird recording this episode of This Old Marketing, and I believe
1: we're recording it before Content Marketing World.
0: Actually, I know that
1: for well, sure. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you believe that? I mean, are you in some sort of time warp where you might not understand that
0: actual uh, hey, thing hey hey yeah. don't try to understand me you just got to you just got
1: to go with the motions.
0: but we do oh, know no. well, we know for sure then
1: that's the t-shirt i want that's the t-shirt i want you to wear don't try to understand me just go with the motion
0: that probably is a t-shirt already. it's a
1: good that's a good line that's a good line but anyways
0: we're recording this before and people are listening to it well after
1: that's right. There were people who, by the way, were hitting us up on Twitter to uh, record at content marketing world to literally do it during the show. And I responded on Twitter to say that the, the last two times that we've done that have been disasters Disaster. and that we and and that we promised each other that we would only do it again if it was a drunk show. Actually, that's not a bad <laughs> idea. But, I said, but that's what I said, too. It might not be a bad idea. I would get together
0: and just drink and it didn't just happened to record it at the same <laughs> exactly. time. Exactly. You can't call it yeah. this old marketing podcast. Yeah, a show. No, it's oh, not yeah. a show.
1: It's just, yeah. yeah.
0: They were drinking and, okay, there was a recorder and, you know.
1: Somebody recorded the festivities, yeah. It
0: happened. But, yeah, we, uh, when we did the analysis, it was, first of all, we didn't enjoy ourselves. You and I in the same room, you know, you got to watch it. We're, it's not always pleasant. So people <laughs> need to know this. The second thing is, is that they didn't perform well at all.
1: I don't no, know. they did not. They did not. That was the thing. I mean, there's too much noise. Um, and quite frankly, when we do it, you know, the one time we did it in a bar and had like a little event around it, people, they didn't care. They were just there to drink. They was like and two chuckleheads off in the corner, you know, talking about marketing was was ridiculous. And the other time that we did it where we actually segmented off a part of the show and, you know, we were like those two Old guys sitting in the booth, right? Where everybody's walking by the booth going, Hey, I just want a stress ball. I don't I don't need to listen to these two guys. Yeah, like, Can I just it uh, was
0: weird get, when somebody came up to you and said, Do you need to scan my badge? Uh, exactly. You're like what <laughs> you know.
1: Scotchy, scotchy, scotch. Uh, you know, scotchy, scotchy, scotch, that's scotch, scotch. It. Well, that's all I gotta say about that. All right. Well, should we get this thing started? Might as well. All right. Let's roll.
0: And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR, with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys.
1: Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 216 of PNR's This Old Marketing. Recorded Thursday, August 29th, a little early because of Content Marketing World, and with me as well, my co-host, my colleague, and the guy who could actually replace Andrew Luck as quarterback of the Colts, Mr. Joe Pulizzi. How are you, my friend?
0: I'm doing well. I do have a question for you, and I don't know, I, maybe I've asked this before, but when you introduced yourself for the first time to your wife, did you say, this is Robert Rose? Do you do that on the <laughs> phone when you answer the phone? I do, not, I do not. I do not. This is. My, do you say this? It is. It, it is Robert Rose. Do you do that.
1: <laughs> this is a stupid question. Um,
0: Seriously, you you probably can't do it without doing the little pause thing because you've done it so many times.
1: <laughs> there, there is that. Yes. No. And the answer to your question is no. It, this is my uh, little throwback to Ryan Seacrest. And by the way, it's become look. It's not because of me by any stretch of the imagination, but it has become a podcast trope um, that people have made fun of. And and, and I, I fully cop to doing it. So many people do the Ryan Seacrest, you know, this is American Idol. I mean, they do, you know, this is the name of my show. And I I, I just sort of naturally started doing it and, you know. It just stuck. It's, but it's no, no, I did bad. not introduce I, myself to my of wife that
0: way. I enjoy it. I mean, I have no problem with it. But you could have just done the. This is Jeopardy. I mean, you could have just done you, you know, <laughs> right on key. Boom, boom, boom. But just you did the Ryan Seacrest.
1: I did. With I you. did. Yeah, I could have also. I could have also come. Let's get ready to podcast. <laughs> oh, thank God you didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, one. I know, right? Oh. You know, speaking of yeah.
0: Ryan Seacrest. Whoever's in yes. content marketing world will, will hear this, or you're watching the video. But I do a little thing on the main stage about Ryan uh, that's Seacrest. what
1: I've heard, and that's the rumor that you do little yeah, things. I yeah,
0: I basically say that I hate him. I hate Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> I'm the <laughs> one guy that hates Ryan Seacrest.
1: Well, he is a little thing, so um, you know you could. You, I, I can see why you might hate him. I
0: just there's that's not the reason why I hate him. But I'm okay, to, I'm not going to give the whole thing away because you know I don't know why. I just don't want to talk about it. I just want to. So get there you go.
1: Well. There you go, folks. If you're if you're curious about the reason that Joe Pulitzi hates Ryan Seacrest hashtag, um, show up to content marketing world and you will find out. How's that Next for a tease? I'm going to
0: tell you right now, since you you pulled it out of me. I'm gonna. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No. I. Does anyone have more energy than Ryan Seacrest? So you get up in the no. morning. He's on live with Kelly and Kelly. I guess That's right. Live with Kelly and Ryan now, and then. You know, so let's say you're watching that in the morning, and then you go, you got to go somewhere, right? You get in the car. Well, he's on iHeartRadio. He's got a show. You're either listening to it in the car, or you're listening to it online on your favorite podcatcher, whatever you're doing. You're listening to him there. And then, you know, you get back from work, you have some dinner, you turn on the television, and then he's going, this is American Idol. <laughs> he's doing all that. The man right? is not human. There's no way. It, it, that's not it, a normal human. He
1: is a very, very busy man. You know, the thing is, I he... um. He, I know for a fact, because I've, I've seen him interviewed about this, he, he idolizes or idolized, I guess probably past tense is the right word, uh, Casey Kasem. And uh, he always, you know, talked about how Casey Kasem was one of the hardest working guys in show business and had a million things going on. And I think he has sort of the same philosophy. And I, you know, when you're making that much money and you have that much coordination and people to help you through your schedule... It makes it easier, but you're right. I mean, he's just—he's he, just a little I mean, madman the way he runs though. around.
0: I don't, you know, I, you know, I don't want to say.
1: Look, I'm—I—I
0: I can not I'm not a professional. I'm not a doctor. I can't analyze these things. But I think there's a little bit of Anthony Berning going on, and I—I I mean, I'm, okay. not, I'm not making fun of this. I think that he's right. very unhappy because he has no personal life because all I, he does is work.
1: I, you I don't think do, that like, is. I think that you is completely wrong. Didn't you? I think that is completely wrong. I I did actually live a few uh, doors away right. from him. Now he's never home, but um, I, as I understand it, so you know, um, so you know, I'm right because you live uh, too. No, I know. Yeah, I, I actually have a very good sense that you're wrong. That he's quite <laughs> the happy. He's quite the happy guy. Yeah, he's quite the happy guy. <laughs> well, look what happened
0: to Casey Kasem. He died. Uh,
1: d- <laughs> Well, I got news for you, my friend. We're all all going to die. We're all going to die. This this is
0: already the worst podcast ever.
1: There we go. All right. You know, welcome to Nihilism 101 for PNR.
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: Are we talking? Do we have news? What are we doing? We do actually have some news. We should get to our first segment, which, of course, is at the top of the show. And it's one news item that really gets to the theme of our show. Uh, And it kind of tees up the rest of the show. And speaking of nihilism um, and speaking of death, uh, the article that we're going to open up our show with is entitled The Death of the Click. Uh, This coming from Axios. Uh, And we're going to link a couple of articles here because they actually talk about it from two different angles. Um, The one that we'll start with is the death of the click, and it opens up by saying, for the past 10 years we've operated on the premise that the most important digital metric is the click, which refers to a person to a website. That click usually comes from a social distribution channel like Facebook or Twitter, or a search engine like Google or Bing, but according to industry experts, the click referral is becoming an idea of the past. Soon it will be replaced by content exposure. And then it goes on to talk about why it matters and how we got here from the origination of the banner ad and basically, you know, looking at clicks as measurement. I will also refer to one other, and then I'll give you my quick take on this, Joe, and I would love to get yours, which is another article on Axios, which they sort of put up uh, side by side, which is entitled Google's Clickless Era, which is basically a companion article for this. And it talks about it opens up by saying for the first time last month a majority of all browser-based Google searches resulted in zero clicks. This is a new study from software company SparkToro, and they say why it matters, and I fully agree, is that Google's functionality has been changed to keep users within the Google ecosystem. And we have seen this, and there are multiple articles on this all over the web, which is how Google is now trying to answer people's questions within the confines of the Google search result itself. And so when you do a search now, there is everything from the knowledge graph stuff that you see on the right, which is going to show you answers or possible answers to your questions right there, etc. and basically, in January 2016, this research report uh, notes that more than half of mobile searches ended without a click, and today it's almost two-thirds. So two things going on here, and, and I, I, I think they're both fascinating, which is, one, how Google is now starting to pull content from our sites, from sites, from you know, from wherever it's getting it from, and basically keeping people within the confines of Google. And so Google is turning into a walled garden, which is not necessarily good news for us as content marketers, um, or marketers, even generally speaking. And then the second is the importance, which is sort of the other side of this double edged sword, if you will, which is getting beyond this idea of the click as a measurement, which has always been sort of considered a vanity metric at most, you know, we talk about it all the time, the meaninglessness of of volume of traffic. Um, and talking about the content exposure or basically impact upon the audience, we have, it's going to start forcing us to look at how we're actually changing behavior. And so I'm a little torn on this, right? Because when I see looking at the click disappearing as a valid metric for us to look at the quantity of traffic that we're creating and rather forcing us as marketers and advertisers to look at the exposure, I go, that's a good thing. But at the same time, getting people to not click into my site and get not click into my content is not necessarily a good thing because then I can't measure either thing. I can't measure whether or not they arrived and I can't really measure the impact that I'm having because they never arrive to my content to, in order for me to know that. And so the insight that I'm missing is something that I'm really worried about as, as, a, uh, as a content creator. And what do you think about well, this?
0: Inter- I, I didn't even know you were going to go that direction, which never happens. But no, I'm just <laughs> um, Do you think that there will be a time when Google – won't need any external content for their search engines to run?
1: No, I don't think there will be a time. At least I certainly hope not. Um, And I mean, I think you'll get to this when we get to your rave a little later in terms of, you know, companies that are really doing this well. A story that we didn't cover last week is um, because Google's not the only one here, by the way, Um, you know, we've got Facebook trying to do this as well. Um, where they're licensing, offering out licensing of content to major publishers to pull in into their walled garden. So you never have to leave Facebook in order to read the news or, or get information. And so I, I think it, it, it will always be the case that Google and Facebook and other walled gardens will need external content. In order to serve up answers and information, inspiration, entertainment to audiences, the question is, is whether or not they're going to whether or not the website as a concept dies. Right. In other words, is my goal and and, you know, this is something where we can go down a huge rat hole where in the future. And I'm going to just draw the dramatic just to make the the example. If I'm a company company. Perhaps all I need to do is publish structured normalized content that can be fed into whatever interface google, facebook, twitter, you know, linkedin, basically where all the audiences are aggregating and the concept of a website of a of a place on the web where i go to visit, you know, my company dies as a concept. And that i could see happening. Which, I, which would be really unfortunate, but it, I could see it happening.
0: Well, we've talked about what do they call it? The Google search result zero? Is it the one yeah, where yeah. they're pulling? I mean, they've done that with Content Marketing Institute content for a long time, where you type of in, course, what is content yeah. marketing, and they pull right out of the article and they have the link at the bottom, but you can get enough information. Um, you know, you type, let's say you want information on uh, a pharmaceutical or whatever, you type in what is this, and Google will give you, you know, three scrolls down. As much information as you want, and then you can click through. So that's that's disturbing. Where a lot of people say, "Oh, you can still get the brand recognition and whatever," but they're not clicking through to your site. They're not. I don't know if there's anything there. The question. It just reminded me when you were talking about this. Where I don't, I don't even know if we talked about it on the last episode. But I talk about it in my thing at Content Marketing World about how you know the, the social media and how we use it today is going to be definitely different than tomorrow because. Their biggest liability as social media sites is other people's content. Well, it's still, it proves true for search engines as well, not as much, but still, they, you know, where there's the privacy issue, there's is it misinformation issue? You know, which, what algorithms is Google going to be choosing from or whatever site to say, this is the content that we deem the appropriate content? I mean, Google's been doing that since forever, right? You can you can say they have a reason and a rationale for doing it and saying this is credible content. But they've been doing it. They've been saying this is news or this is not news for a long
1: time. I guess. Well, but they but but they're doing that based on they would argue, I mean, and did argue on Capitol Hill that that they are doing that based on the popularity and quality of the content as determined by consumption and usage of the content not by any editorial judgment that they're putting on it. You know, this is when the Republicans in the in in Congress were badgering the guy from Google basically saying, "Hey, listen, when you put in the word idiot into Google, you get a picture of Donald Trump and is that Google's fault?" And the guy saying, "No, this is we're just reacting to what the basic zeitgeist is of the of the the populace and what is popular and what is getting, you know. So in other words, they're saying, they're kind of shrugging their shoulders and going, eh, what are you going to do, right? Basically, you know, hater's going to hate. And I think that's a really interesting, challenging, uh, and unfortunate place we are right now because what it does is it encourages us to start to try and game a system. And it encourages Google to basically say, yeah, uh, you know what? What are you going to do, right? What yeah. What can we do about it? You know, this is this is what's going to happen, and so it it's basically from at a cultural level, it's a really dangerous thing.
0: Well, I think as from a from a marketing standpoint, we've been talking about this is the shift that happened quite a few years ago, where we're like, okay, let's get our content out there everywhere we possibly can, and we'll try to get subscribers, we'll try to get brand recognition, we'll try to do all these things, and. Now we've been saying, look, what we really want to do is build our own audience so we don't have to worry as much about what Google, Facebook, Reddit, all the rest of them are doing because it doesn't matter. We have our own audience and we can grow our own audience um, through referrals and through maybe just even regular advertising, if you will. But that's the – is. It, do you think it's going to keep going that direction? Is that the recommendation that you would give to marketers? Is like It's more important than ever now that we build our own audiences because – the rules are changing on these other sites, and we have no control over that.
1: Yes, I, it, here's the thing: it's it's what we can do, right? It it is it is what we can do is to continue to be trustworthy and develop high quality, trustworthy uh, content, and engage our audiences with that content. No matter what we do, right? I don't care if you're a newspaper or a publication or a community newsletter or you know a marketer. If we are creating content that is in some way designed to add value to an audience's life, that's all we can do in this is just to continue to to do that and build in that subscriber base that wants to hear from us. Because that is the only thing you can do in an ocean filled with, you know, companies like Facebook and Google that have a vested interest in popularity and popularity isn't always the 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 right the right answer. Um, because high quality trustworthy content may not always be the most popular content out there, you know, based on consumption um, or what an algorithm will associate with a particular topic. And that's the, you know, it's 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 all we can do to to sort of combat this um, out there. You know, this gets to, it's funny, Um, you know, Henry Rollins will, will be at content marketing world and, and, you know, a little bit of a spoiler to his talk. Um, one of the things he talks to is this as content creators, it's not just our opportunity to create trusted, interesting things for audiences. He says it's our responsibility. And I agree with him. I think as marketers, as people, as humans, It's not only our opportunity to create business value through this, it's our responsibility as humans in the world to create trusted, interesting things with our communications. And so, yeah, I, I, you know, but I'm a hopeful guy, right? I am not a, I'm not a, you know, to the theme of the show, I'm not a nihilist. I don't think we're doomed. (laughs) I don't think the the fuse has been lit as it were. I think we can defuse this bomb. So um, I'm hopeful.
0: It's interesting. I saw this. I think you saw it too. Uh, Jeremiah Aoyang had a tweet that went out, and it said, 1999, subscribe to my e-newsletter. 2009, follow me on social media. 2019, subscribe to my e-newsletter. Yeah, (laughs) It's just gone back and forth. I can't see it in 2029 being follow me on a social channel. But who knows? I don't don't think we're – I think we're – we're in for the next couple decades of building out our audiences, however we can. Um, yeah, and, and kind of battling this trend that you talk about on Google and Facebook and, and all the other social media sites that, that really we're, we're getting more and more helpless on those channels because they continue to change the rules.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, when we when we first started this stuff in 1999, it was the super information highway and we were going to it was the open and free web. And, oh, my God, what are we going to do? There are so many places to get information and we are going to, you know, have, you know, abundance of sources and it's going to be hard. And we're going to have all these websites to go, you know, you know, surf and fragmentation of audiences, et cetera, et cetera. And interestingly and ironically what we're seeing is sort of the aggregation of channels, right? The aggregation of walled gardens has begun, if not in full swing. And we've started to see that, you know, really it's only a handful of apps and a handful of websites that 90% of the people ever go to. And if we value the open and free web and information and creating, you know, interesting content, We've got to, you know, we've we've got to fight this to some degree, you know. And again, I, I know I'm I may be sounding a bit Pollyanna or or a bit you know sort of uh, naive in, in sort of what's actually going on here, but I, I I do believe that we've got to you know because there are opportunities here as well, right? I'm not suggesting that we can't optimize our sites for search engine optimization and we can't use Facebook for getting to our audiences, et cetera, et cetera. But there are overarching issues here that we just need to be aware of that, that otherwise we're going to just find ourselves an island out in the cold. That's not optimistic. I mean, you just said you were an opt- optimist. But I, I am optimistic. Horrible. I think we can change it. I think we can, I think we can, as a, as a, as a group, certainly as content marketers, um, I think we can change this. I think we can build these things that are, that are really interesting. Um, and content that actually moves people and creates trustworthiness and creates value um, and doesn't just try to get a click, right? You know, bringing it all the way back to the topic of the story, you know, And but that's, it's the only thing we can do, right? It's the only thing we can do uh, in in this and and I'm optimistic that we can actually change things.
0: I'm optimistic too. I've been, you know, I've been optimistic about this for, for 20 years now the challenge that I'm continue to see is that I, I would say, I think I can say this. The majority of corporate content that I still go to lacks is lacking. It doesn't speak to people in my, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it's not any better than any else that you can get out there. It's definitely not better than what's going on in a lot of media sites. Yeah. And that's, I don't want to say – right now is the sweet spot of time that we have that we yeah, can take advantage that's right. of this where people are open to it. So that's the first thing where I didn't know it was going to happen. That's definitely happened. If you would asked me 10 years ago where people would be so open to engaging in any content outside of media content, I, w- I would have laughed that it was, oh, 2019? No, no, no. It's got to be much later than that. Well, it's already happened. They're yeah. definitely open to it. So we have this opportunity and I just don't want to see more companies waste that opportunity. And I'm thinking specifically of, and I think I told you some of this when I I judged quite a few categories for the content marketing awards and some of these submissions, which they spent money to submit to an awards program. And I'm. I'm reading through, or listening to, or watching, depending on what it was, and I'm, I'm like, "Are you kidding me? That, that that you're you're thinking this is an award-winning production when I can't believe you spent the amount of hours and resources <laughs> on putting this together. You've wasted right. everyone's time. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm, literally, I'm literally well.
1: I'm, if I'm here and you're here, isn't it our time, Mister Hand? <laughs>
0: literally i'm at the computer going through this and i'm typing in the notes after i've yeah through it and i and i and i was nice about it but i really wanted to put why are you wasting my time with this why are you doing which there there's no thing as oh there's your your corporate content has to be this good no it doesn't it it does it's not just content for brands right it's any content we're competing right. against everything, and I don't even know if enough marketers realize that yet. Where they say, you know, oh hey, I'm doing concept for Coca-Cola. It's got to at least be better than Pepsi's. No, it's got to be better than everything else out there. That's right. I just don't know if we've gotten there yet. So
1: yeah. All right, let's. Uh, we've beat the death of the click I think to we death. Beat
0: that one to death. <laughs>
1: Um, So let's move on to our story and this is the next segment of the show where Joe and I each pick a couple of things out of the news that has our attention in the world of marketing and Joe's article this week um, is why marketers can no longer ignore audio. Content um, weird and meta since we're doing audio content as yeah. we speak here. This from the good friends at Contently um, and their wonderful blog, The Content Strategist, which, by the way, is an amazing blog. You talk about a company that's actually creating high-quality uh, content. They do a fantastic job. And the article opens up by saying, in a new study on content formats, Edison Research, another company doing amazing yep. content, Tom Webster and the folks there, uh, found that interest in Facebook content Content is still in steady decline. In fact, in their published report, The Infinite Dial, the researchers state that 15 million users have stopped using the social media platform since 2017. Perhaps less surprisingly, the drop-off in usage is most obvious with people under age 55. Far and away, Facebook remains the most often-used platform, but it's not necessarily growing. So what is everyone younger than 55 doing online? Twitter and Pinterest usage remains unchanged, but Instagram and Snapchat have seen a steady increase. Uh, And that all tracks with the common understanding that young people and their online habits, they're more comfortable with ephemeral content, multimedia, and they're way more likely to share content they enjoy. The article goes on to talk about audio, branded podcasting, and podcasting in general as being a huge new trend uh, for not only for just broadcasters and content creators, but specifically for marketing and even thinking beyond the podcast into other audio formats as well. What say you, Mr. Pulitzi? Is this uh, what's going on here? Yeah,
0: audio of any type. I mean, now the the study talks about 17 hours a week of online audio consumption that has doubled uh over the last i think six years i think that you're going to see that number double in the next couple years i think we are in the sweet spot time i said that i just said that's two mentions of the sweet spot i might i might say it again Uh, (laughs) we're we're in a critical time for content creators i think to get ahead of the curve and it's funny because we've most Every presentation I go see, everyone talking about this on marketing blogs are saying, "Oh no, no, is it too late to catch the podcast train?" I, I think it's just right. There's so many people still not doing this, but the ones that are are totally diving in, a hundred percent. And we know this because you know you and I have talked to the listeners of this podcast. Yeah, that it's you know as soon as it's released, they'll go ahead and listen to it. I have no idea why they do that, but they do it. It's the most intimate channel, and. If you look at smart speakers, where you have I think one, how many hundred a hundred million Alexas out there, that's or right, Echos out there, and it, we we barely scratched the surface of homes that have this. There's so, there's there's not even enough Alexa skills out there, which is basically how they package their audio content. Or I think that's an opportunity for brands to get on that. It's like the early days of web. Um, I. I really am trying to compel more people to look at this seriously and even to say, before you would look at video, you should be looking at audio because it still is, because of all the things that I just mentioned, but it still is the one area where you can multitask. Why? You can go go work out, you can be mowing the lawn, you can do whatever you're doing and still listen to something rather than uh, the people that I can't stand who are driving around their cars and looking at their phones. So <laughs> right. I, I just, I just think that I. What I wanted to say, and I think this research backs it up to a bit, is um, we're not too late. You know, this is almost like getting on into social media at, at two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Still early days. Been around for quite a few years, but still very, very early days. I think you're going to see this thing really take off in the next couple of years. Brands are getting behind it big time. Media companies are getting behind it big time. And I think if you can entrench yourself now and build a loyal audience online right now, that'll make a difference for you in the next year, two years, three years. So I don't know if you agree with all that, but.
1: I oh, 100 yeah. percent. I mean, 100 percent, you know, says the guy now with two podcasts. Right. I mean, so, um, you know, it's it's. I, you know, first of all, uh, the reason I agree so much is just because I enjoy it so much. I mean, I, I truly enjoy doing audio content more than I do writing. Um, you know, the, the creation process for me is, is, a uh, truly a labor of love. You know, I, I, it, I think Anne Handley said this, I, I, if not, I'm just going to attribute it to her anyway, where with writing, it's the kind of thing where I hate writing, but I love having written. Um, and with audio content, I absolutely love the creation process. Um, I do. I love producing this show, and I love working with you on it and, and figuring out the script and all that stuff. It's just, you know, for me, this is a joy. So it's not only something that I think is going to increase in popularity, but it's just, for me, it's a it's an absolute joy as well.
0: Well, yeah, it's... I think the thing that I can't get over yet is how fast the whole smart speaker movement has come and how much additional content is going to be needed. That's right. Quickly. Yes. So if you are in any kind of how-to content industry where you can, you know, think about this as 2006, 2007 on the web. If you did how-to content in a certain category, you dominated search, right? You were there number one. Um, You know, when we did that at content marketing, comes to example. I mean, I I still remember writing that "What is Content Marketing" piece. We wrote that in 2007, and that thing still gets 500 to 600 people a day going to it. It was written 12 years ago, right? I think that's where we're at. With audio and how many things are how to? Now it's not just how to. I think there's you're going to be at a point where it's it's getting to that point where you could be walking through the room and say, "Play this old marketing," and the latest episode would would come around. I think you could do that on
1: you can Google Play. You absolutely, yeah, you can absolutely already do that. Yeah,
0: but I don't know about uh, Amazon yet. But Amazon and their audio books—that's the other thing too. We're not just talking about podcasts. We're talking about all audio content here. That's right. So, big opportunity. It's gonna be know, big.
1: It's gonna be big, big. But it's gonna be of, huge.
0: Speaking of content marketing awards, though, I did listen to quite a few podcasts, and that's where I was impressed. I was yes, I was There's some so good much ones. more impressed with yeah. the audio content than the video content, mm-hmm. which is odd because people always think, "Oh, I got to be doing video, got to be doing video," and I'm like, "No, you don't." you don't have to well, do video
1: i mean video is an order of magnitude harder to execute well i mean oh that's just gosh, you know it's yeah it's really it's really hard you've got lighting to think about and then and you also have audio um, in fact audio is one of the most important components of great video um, and yeah it's just i mean trust me i've have having spent the last 2 months trying to figure out my own video strategy it's 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 a, it's definitely difficult
0: well, you don't love that like you do audio content. I That's don't. That is People that is can't correct. Sense the passion.
1: That, yeah, the that is Rose correct. Passion behind it. That's They're exactly right.
0: They're like I don't I don't sense passion.
1: I that don't is exactly Ryan right. Sense Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> All right, let's move on and to our next story here, which is one that I picked um, and fits right in with the theme of our show, um, which is. Google's new web privacy statement, um, by the way, huge hat tip here to listener Igor Bielobradek. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Igor. Um, and this, he sends us an article from Ars Technica, um, which is why some experts are skeptical about Google's new web privacy uh, statement here. And the article basically opens up by saying Google's Chrome team is feeling a little pressure from competitors over ad tracking. Um, Apple has long offered industry-leading protection, um, although they just came out and said they were listening to Siri things, speaking of audio content, um, against tracking cookies, while Mozilla recently announced that Firefox will begin blocking tracking cookies by default. Microsoft has been experimenting with tracking protection features in Edge too. Although nobody on the planet actually uses Microsoft Edge, um, they don't say that. That what was my Microsoft commentary Edge? there. What is that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. What? It's kind of. I, I think it's a sort of a browser. Anyway, is that like Google Alta, has a problem. Is
0: that like Alta Vista?
1: No, it's more like uh, uh, it's more like uh, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, like Netscape, like Netscape Navigator. Oh, Anyway, Google has a problem. It makes most of its money selling ads, of course, and adopting the same aggressive cookie blocking techniques as its rivals could prevent Google's customers from targeting ads, potentially hurting Google's bottom line. So in a blog post last week, says the article, Google's going to outline some new versions of their privacy vision. And they basically goes on to explain those privacy visions, basically saying, hey, we might start blocking cookies or in what I think is probably the most interesting um, aspect of this and weirdly disturbing aspect of this is where they would block tracking cookies against what they're calling a cap, a privacy budget, where if your browser reaches um, a cap, in other words, the site is demanding more data than the browser wants to give it, it'll start giving false and or generic data as a uh, result of that, which is just odd to me. Um, anyway, so they go on to talk about how privacy uh, experts remain skeptical about all of this. And Igor, who sent a thing over, I think has a really good point. He, he, he basically said, hey, listen, here's my take on it. He says, you don't need to track people to run ads. And his business is all about ads. He says, you just don't. You want to run ads on Ars Technica? Great. You go, here's our audience of smart nerds and they have buying power and decision making power and they're worth advertising toward. And you don't need that. And as we get into sort of the measurement of the click and the death of the click, I I think he's right. And so I think this is a really interesting development and, you know, makes an argument even stronger for content, of course, and valuable content and getting, you know, and delivering value with content. But uh, but what say you what do you think about uh, about this?
0: Well, you're right that you only need so much data to throw out an ad. You don't need much at all. And that's where you've got uh, Apple and Mozilla throwing out their search engines. And they're saying, that's right. of course, they're they're the ones that are saying, hey, we don't need all this data. Why Google? Why do you need all this? Of course, they're not in the advertising business. But this is not about advertising. I think that's the thing. This is about data collection. Yeah. And if you watch The Great Hack on Netflix, which talks about the Cambridge Analytica thing, uh, the main, one of the main characters in this so, that worked for Cambridge said that data is the new oil. Data is the most valuable thing in the world right now. And that's why you have trillion-dollar companies that are trying to get as much data as possible. And this is why Google is trying to do everything they can because every little bit of data that they get they are monetizing we don't even know the ways they're going to monetize it and that's but the, the issue is is that w- will google do good or evil with this that's the issue where we don't <laughs> right we, we don't know uh, even though they're always about doing good or they say they're always about doing good this is i don't know if google can get out of this. I know quite a few people that actually move from Chrome to uh, Safari or yeah, Firefox. based on the defaults. Yeah. I use Firefox yep. all the time and uh, because uh, in a lot of cases because of this privacy thing. I don't know, where do you think it's going to go? It, uh, I think you they're, know, they're, I, they're trying to save their livelihood for one thing, the advertising thing because they they can they, they there is the the idea of they can do more with advertising with more data. I know this, but I think it's, this is not about advertising.
1: No, this, I think ultimately this is, I think you're right. This is the acquisition of data and how it is being acquired. That's the real, that's the, that's what we're really talking about here. I mean, this gets to what we want to talk about. If we want to talk about GDPR and Castle and CCPA and all of the new privacy regulations and data regulations that are coming down, Um, people are, Research is showing this people are starting to care more. So, this is going to become a thing over the next few years, and we're going to have to deal with it as marketers. And to me, it's you know, it goes to everything we've been talking about in the show today thus far, which is how are we going to fight um, and work in a world and design systems that actually get people to want to, you know, consume our content. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter if we're in journalism, if we're in, you know, or fake news or in marketing or PR or what government nonprofits doesn't matter what we do. The fight today is how do you get people to want to consume content? Because the ability for us to force it into people's laps is disappearing, and that only becomes more problematic as you start to see, you know, trends like these. And people like Igor are right, basically, you know, that doesn't mean that advertising has to die. It just changes. An interesting fun fact, and I actually talk about this in my agency workshop, is that if you look over the last hundred years, literally a hundred years, the Amount of money that companies have spent as a percentage of GDP on advertising and marketing has not changed. So in other words, our ability to collect more and more personalized data has not changed. And in fact, it's actually gone down, by the way, as a percentage of GDP over the last 10 years. So it's not like we discovered this new data oil thing and went, great, now let's go invest in advertising because that's the most amazing thing ever. Basically, it's the same money. The only thing we're doing with that money is shifting who makes more of it. And what we've done is we've basically taken all of the advertising dollars and put it into the hands of two companies, which is Google and Facebook. And so we're not spending any more. It's just where we're spending it. And so us getting good at creating more and more value for consumers only helps us focus in those where we're spending our money and, you know, how we're actually, you know, Getting long-term value out of that investment.
0: I was so intrigued by this idea that we own our our data as property. Uh, yeah, the, the Great Hack. So if you haven't watched The Great Hack on Netflix, first of all, you should watch it. It gets a little slow in, in areas, but as a marketer, you should watch that. And basically, there's one professor there. I forgot forgot his name. I think we talked about it in the last episode where um, he's trying to sue to see sue Cambridge Analytica to see his data and to see right. basically how they used his data and what they used. And not talking about anybody else, just him. He, uh, Cambridge Analytica didn't give him that, and they paid a fine or whatever for not giving him that.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: But it's interesting that could that in the next couple of years be a thing? It seems to be going that direction where, oh, Here's the data that's out on me. I'm going to allow this data out on me, not allow this data out on me, and here's who can see this data, and here's who can see that data. I don't know. I mean, could we be going that direction? I, it's. I don't. I think most people don't care. But
1: <laughs> no, I think you're right. For the most part, people don't care well, when that will much. They care? Yeah, but well, they'll. When will they? When will it just become ineffective? Right. I mean, it's not even really about some major revolt in the streets where, you know, people get so fed up with data collection that they that they protest. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But what happens is, is that you get companies like Apple, theoretically, we'll see if they can execute against it or companies like Firefox or other companies that will differentiate on protecting you and giving you access to and some other companies you know where they might actually start to differentiate on how we treat your data, et cetera, et cetera, and it becomes a marketing. It becomes a marketplace. You know differentiator, and so you start seeing comp- people being attracted in many ways, like they're attracted to companies that are doing good for the planet. Now you become, you start to see audiences and or buyers becoming more attracted to people who have better stewardship over your data than others, and it just becomes a a mean. You know a disappearing you know, thing right over, you know, over, over time.
0: Wasn't that what LO was supposed to do? Right. (laughs) Seriously.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, it was. It is. Yeah. It's what, you know, it's what LO is supposed to do. It's what DuckDuckGo is supposed to do, you know, and, you know, look here, DuckDuckGo, which nobody uses, quite frankly, you know, very few people use, but it's a profitable business. They do very well. DuckDuckGo is doing just fine. Thank you very much.
0: That's the search engine my son uses.
1: Yeah. It's it's he doing just fine else. financially. Yeah, he won't use that. They've else. they've got a they've got a niche audience that cares deeply about the way that data and advertising work, and they're they're doing very well. Thank you very much.
0: There you go. So there are yeah. options out
1: there. There are options, absolutely. Hey, you know what? Even though it's not about content marketing world, we've got a sponsor this week. We got to talk about this sponsor we thing.
0: Absolutely do, and it is—it's uh, fall. I think it's almost fall, or by the it time you fall. listen to this, it's probably going to be fall. <laughs> and we've got the fall enrollment coming up for Content Marketing Institute University, and we've got four new ancillary sessions. I think that you uh, don't you produce all the main sessions, Robert? Is this you? <laughs> Is it I do this? although
1: although I have a, f- I I, I kind of wish I did now because uh, the word ancillary is so great. It's like I want to be ancillary. No you
0: don't. That's, you don't want to be ancillary. Uh, you know what? Because when I worked why? at Penton Media, I was part of the ancillary group. And you know what I the see. ancillary media group does? That's the group that the executives have no clue what they do. <laughs> and you, well, they don't care. <laughs> and if they get rid of it, they don't know. Well then maybe
1: Nobody we shouldn't knows. maybe we shouldn't describe these lessons yeah, as being ancillary now then. I'm
0: thinking, these are four additional lessons. They're Not amazing, they're, they're...
1: differentiating lessons. So basically, yes.
0: How, how we've got this set up here for CMI University is, you've got six hours of core modules from Mister. This is Robert Rose. <laughs> so from from Robert Rose, and then we've got additional lessons from Andy Crestedina, uh, yeah, Jenna Reef, and Jenny Mazit, uh, magic, uh, Tom Martin, uh, Joe Lasalskis,
1: all. Amazing people. Phenomenal Phenomenal sessions. Phenomenal Phenomenal sessions.
0: And uh, by the way, you probably either need additional training for yourself or for your team. Most likely, if you're listening to this, it's for your team. So you should sign up. Go to uh, contentmarketinguniversity.com for more details on this. It really is not that much money, and it's total value. Uh, You should go ahead and enroll. You can use the coupon code pnr 100 to save hundred dollars off fall enrollment, and that ends September thirtieth, and then you can't get access to it. So basically, right? Isn't that correct, Robert? That is correct. Yeah, that so is you,
1: absolutely. You've got it exactly so right. You got, it's you almost got as if weeks. you helped develop that prop. Yeah, that, who, that, that, that I didn't. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I don't know if I did. Maybe I did. <laughs> Maybe that was me. I don't know. But I can't take yeah. credit for this one because whoever did this one. Much smarter. It's amazing. Much smarter. Absolutely. PNR 100 Absolutely. to save $100 off fall enrollment. You have until September 30th, 2019 to make this happen. Content
1: MarketingUniversity.com. Hashtag not ancillary. There you go. <laughs> it's... <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for our last segment of the show. It is your favorite part of our show and something um, that we absolutely love doing. And that's, of course, our rants and raves section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel, well, nihilistic or makes us feel... Like, we're so positive about where the world is going. And both of us this week, my friend, we have raves this week. We're all in a happy mood. I mean, so that's good because because we've been talking about some depressing crap. Yeah, so (laughs) it's good we got two two raves going here. So uh, why don't you kick us off because we're both doing quick, relatively quick raves, I think.
0: Actually, uh, I wanted to talk about this because this is one of the points that I'm making in, in my keynote at Content Marketing World. So by the time you listen to this, I already did it. I could talk about some of this stuff. But you've had more in-depth discussions about what I'm going to talk about. So please follow up on what I'm going to talk about, fill in the gap. Sure. Um, so I had a nice little email exchange with uh, Amanda Todorovich, who runs uh, web content basically now at uh, Cleveland Clinic and one of the largest health institutions in the world and she started running with the health essentials blog and if you haven't been to the health essentials blog you may look at it and you say hey this is like a lot of other corporate blogs answers my questions this is fantastic but what's different about cleveland clinic's blog is how they monetize it and that's what i'm so fascinated with and how they leverage so many different revenue channels so basically uh, through the Health Essentials blog, they've tripled direct revenue since 2016. And they're almost at the point where they're covering the entire operations, which amazes me. I mean, just think about that. If you, were tired, <laughs> you covered all the marketing expenses you have, and you can cover it through revenue through your blog. I mean, that's exactly what Cleveland Clinic has been able to do. And they do this in multiple ways. First of all, they have display ad revenue, both direct and programmatic. And that's the biggest of what they do and it's it's easily a seven figure uh program that they're running so we're not talking about you know a couple thousand bucks here and there this is big stuff they also produce sponsored content packages which are directly sold uh primarily on the physician content side of things, and they've got some tied to medical meetings and conference campaigns and whatnot. So they've got display ads, sponsored content. The third is syndication revenue. The fourth is they do content creation pro- projects, like, and they've done quite a bit of this for Google. You might know more about this, Robert, but they've done a ton of content for Google. Uh, and then, of course, they have you know, traditional content marketing goals, if you will, where their, their job is to drive patient volumes. And that's, so that's the goal. The initial goal of the site is that's what they were trying to do, more and more patients coming into Cleveland Clinic facilities. So that helps to do that. And I just think that this is incredibly amazing how they've been able to do this. Um, Amanda has done a fantastic job. Robert, you and I have known Amanda for a long, long time. Uh, and she has some very ambitious goals, which I think they'll be able to, to hit. But it's interesting to see how you have a – healthcare provider who created a blog, who had a very simple purpose, but in the back of their mind, they always knew that, that they could drive revenue, and they started to experiment uh, You know, five years ago, and now they've gotten it to a point where this is a full-blown media organization uh, that is driving significant revenue and is growing at an amazingly fast rate. And, um, and I think that's where a lot of brands... Um, I think that's where we need to go. I think that if you're not looking at five or six or seven different revenue uh, opportunities in what you're doing, maybe you're not building a loyal audience enough. Now, do you have to do this? No, I don't think you have to do this. But why wouldn't you (laughs) if you have the opportunity to? uh, Because basically, this was what we're seeing, right? We're seeing the media model, media companies are creating products uh, and you've got companies like Cleveland Clinic who sell products and services, and they're now creating media products. Everything is the same. I think we talked about it in a book called Killing Marketing a couple of years ago. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Robert, but I just wanted to do an update. I'm so uh, proud of what Amanda's been able to do, but I want uh, the listeners to know about what she's doing uh, because this is a great model to learn from.
1: It's Yeah, I mean, look, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly add one one sort of layer to this if you will which is the content operations part of this because what is so magical about what they are doing there and i say magical like it takes some extraordinary power but it was literally just them thinking it through and putting together a formal strategy for this is you mentioned that one of the things that they do of course is to drive a marketing goal which is to put you know quite frankly you know increase patience right increase the engagement of of new, you know, new opportunities for them to drive business. And one of the things that they've done is they've separated out the two sort of functions is they've looked at health essentials as a product. It's a product. And she's got a whole presentation on this where she, you know, and you've heard us, you know, ramble on about this idea forever is that they look at health essentials as a product and they staff it and promote it as such. Now, when they, when they look at the overall content strategy and operations group, she's got a colleague that is, that is her peer. That handles basically all of the other kinds of content, right? Everything behind the login, and where your doctor's office is, and where this is, and the surgeons that are available for this time, and basically everything that you know. Here's your, you know, your overview, and all those kinds of things. Basically, website content, if you will, or app-related content, if you're a if you're a customer of slash patient of Cleveland Clinic, then there. If you look at it like a Venn diagram, each of them has responsibility for some creation of that content because some of that content overlaps. And they've set up a partnership between the two groups and they have teams, so her, part of her team, Is responsible for producing that sort of web oriented marketing content and she's got specialists who deal with things like cms templates and putting content together and his team also helps her with things like cms templates and working with content that's a little more thought leadership and 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 those kinds of things they've created a very discreet and focused strategy about where things are done the process the way that content is produced and basically created, quite frankly, a content program that pays for itself, as you mentioned, right? That is an incredibly powerful thing because we all have to create more and more content as we've been talking about ad nauseum on the show today, but how do we do that in a way that funds and creates more profitability for our organization is the question, and they've just done an outstanding job of it.
0: When, when's the last time you talked to Amanda about
1: this? I'm just curious. Uh, uh like 3 weeks ago. 3
0: weeks ago. Okay. Cuz yeah. she she told me that she's now responsible for all content across the Cleveland Clinic website. So yeah. That's the and I don't I think you you mentioned that but I don't want to gloss over that how where she came from, you know, the the content marketing side if you will. And now she's taken over the whole thing as a business. It's just amazing. So.
1: Yeah. There. It's incredible. Good. It's you, incredible. So all right. Well, have I have You have a rave I have a very, very quick rave. Um, It is not going to take very long at all because it's just something. The show uh, in the notes will link to the Adweek article that talks about this. Basically, it's just to rave about what Popeye's is doing. I mean, unless you've been sitting under a rock the last couple of weeks, you have just seen the amazing thing with Popeye's and their chicken sandwich and how they have just exploded all over the marketplace Um, And really, quite frankly, resurrected what was a kind of moribund brand um, in the, you know, in in the marketplace. I mean, they were definitely the number three in a three horse race there with uh, KFC and and Chick-fil-A. And they basically said, you know, uh, you know, we're coming after you, bro. Um, And they with this chicken sandwich campaign that they've been running is just, I mean, it's just a, it will be a case study. I'm, i know it for a fact. It will be a case study in how to do digital, social integrated marketing and communications, uh, in the 21st century, because they have just, they've just slayed it. Now the article that we'll link to, of course, goes through, um, much of, the fact that the team responsible for this is also the team responsible for things like uh, uh, the you know Burger King um, and some of the other stuff the agency involved. And so it's a superstar team for sure that has put this together, but I just can't rave about it enough. The, the, the sort of piece de resistance to me was just, I, first of all, it's all over mainstream media. So even just from a PR standpoint, I mean, it's just crazy. You know, Gail King on CBS this morning is in the middle waiting in line for a chicken sandwich at Popeye's to taste test it. And I mean, you just don't, you can't buy that kind of exposure and reach. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just wonderful. The thing that was to to me, I was sitting with my wife when we were watching the news and they were basically, Popeye's was apologizing because they're out, you know, they're out of chicken sandwiches. And my wife looked at me and she said, wow, that's a real bummer. Why would they not make enough to to sort of meet the demand? And I said, oh no, no, they knew exactly what they were doing. They, they, They knew exactly what they were doing when they ran out. Because if you notice very carefully, what they say is we're out. Oh, so sorry. We're out of chicken sandwiches. It's really a bummer. If you download our app and you sign in, we'll let you know which stores and when the new chicken sandwiches arrive in soon. And it's just like, uh, it was just, you know, it was just like little fireworks going off in my head as a marketer going, that's just brilliant, Um, you know, creating an artificial lack um, to create more demand and get, you know, get this content thing, this, their app up and running. It's just a beautiful thing. Anyway, oh, I'm just, so good. I could I'm, not be more of a fan of what they're doing. So they're just, good. I'm actually
0: yeah. just reading a wall street journal uh, article here while you're going through that. And uh, it says uh, Popeye said, it, it expects to run out of the sandwich nationwide by the end of this week, have, having eaten through a supply of chicken fillets meant to last through September. The executives are racing to
1: produce more. <laughs> yep. There so it is. Neat. It's so oh, good.
0: That, good for them. Good
1: yeah. For them. They've, and they've really just resurrected the whole. Now we'll see if they can maintain it. Cause this is a one, you know, this is a big spike. And now they've got a, you know, now they've got a, they've got to up their game. But I think, you know, as evidenced in this ad, a, ad week article, um, I think they've got the the team in place to actually really do this and, and basically take a lot of market share from uh, from KFC. I think it's, uh, I think it's them and Chick-fil-A now. Anyway, great, great campaign, great marketing. And I just wanted to give a shout out to it because it's just fantastic. I do have,
0: I do have real quick, one quick question on this. It's not a three-person race, though, because doesn't McDonald's sell the most chicken sandwiches? uh
1: from everything I've read, no. Is it I just mean, those
0: three. I don't. I'm just trying to think of how much, how much chicken.
1: In, McDonald's volume-wise, they might. Volume-wise, okay. they might. What they're talking about are chicken-oriented chains, right? And it, so the big it. three there are KFC, Popeyes, and Chick-fil-A. With Chick-fil-A being, you know, by the way, Chick-fil-A and Popeyes having about 2,400 locations across the U.S. and uh, each um, and uh, uh, KFC like triple that, I believe. But I mean, there so is KFC, an explosion
0: yeah. in chicken places. Kanes, uh, have you ever heard of Kanes Chicken? They're going all over the place here in Ohio. They're going up. There's new
1: ones oh, yeah. all over the place. So there's oh yeah, it's it's crazy. Huge. Yeah, it's crazy. Somebody's crazy, working crazy. like
0: somebody's working like Ryan Seacrest out there <laughs>
1: putting up chicken places. <laughs> there it is. This is your chicken sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) All right, where? So I guess I'm going to see you uh, at Content Marketing World next week. We will, will, uh, you know, by the time people listen to this, you and I will have shared a hug and and more than one cocktail, I expect.
0: I'll I'll be going to your, your special invite only party that I can talk about now because, you know. It's over. Yes. Now. And if you didn't yeah. get invited, <laughs> exactly. <it's> too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'll be, I'll be looking forward to hanging out with you and, and doing our thing and having you be in right. The weather here in Northeast Ohio has been absolutely beautiful. It's been mid seventies for oh. like two or three weeks. You're at, you're gonna love it. Best. I can't
1: you wait for that in a, in a uh, long, long
0: time. But no, after, uh, and then after that, I take a week off and then I'm headed to Ljubljana, Slovenia, to uh, Pomp Forum.
1: So oh, good for you. I didn't get the invite for that. Well, they can't have <clears throat> both. Nanad. They can't have both. Yeah. We have I, to take I, turns. I guess. Yeah. So I, I, well, I, you know, I didn't get to go last year either, but uh yeah. Yeah. Nanad. Well you
0: probably yeah. will now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so well, the, there you have it. Yeah. All right, folks. That is it. Uh we're gonna sign off. And if you like this episode, number two hundred and sixteen the nihilistic episode. Uh, Subscribe, won't you? Resubscribe. Get yourself a shiny new subscription if you haven't gotten one um, of late. Our aim, as we said last week, and we have said for a few weeks in a row, we want to be the number one marketing podcast. And that is a goal of ours full stop. And we need you, obviously, to do that. So thank you for all your encouragement from the hundreds of you that have come up to us at conferences and tell us how glad you are that the podcast is back. We love it, too. This is our joy. This is our love. We hope that you enjoy our little silliness and snarkiness and general dorkiness. Um, and as we always say, we're publishing twice a month now, so every other week. Um, and uh, conf- uh, is your website up yet? Is it is it now up, well, Mr. Polizzi? It, it will, by the
0: time people listen to this, it's going to be wonderful okay it's going to be yeah. live it's gonna be up go check it out I'm actually if you subscribe to the newsletter I've got a an amazing audio product it's about 22 minutes long it talks about the three keys to success in life and marketing so if you would like to know what those keys are you can go sign up at JoePolizzi.com. and uh, and how about you sir
1: does this is it, do I have to be the key master or are you the gatekeeper okay. Jeez. yeah <laughs> I mean, I'm very simple. I'm a simple, simple man. It's simply contentadvisory.net. I'll
0: be the (laughs) Stay puff Marshmallow Man. There you go. I'm sorry. I interrupted you.
1: That's quite all right. It's just contentadvisory.net where you can get all the things um, that we talk about um, in consulting and content operations and all those kinds of things. Or you can search on Vista there you go and use your Netscape Navigator browser and get on over there There and do a little ask Jeeves and you'll be good to go Um, and of course send us those story ideas won't you folks hashtag us up hashtag this old marketing Um, everything we talk about there um, will be in our show notes um, that go along with the post and so remember everybody it is your story to tell tell it well we're going to see you in a couple of weeks on this old marketing